0: Well, before I begin this morning, and I have another announcement. One of those things that we, we seem to be doing a lot of lately, and it's a, it's a wonderful privilege as God keeps bringing people in. And so this morning we have a couple of new members once again this morning. So Jim and Ada, if you'll come up here, uh, God's brought them. I had to check with two other pastors, though, before you know, we could you know, officially have them welcomed here. And uh, they both said, <laughs> so much trouble. Yeah, no. And uh, they both said uh, what a blessing it is that we have them here. And so we want to welcome you as part of the members of Pointway, and thank you for coming to us here at Pointway. You guys are a blessing to us, so thank you. God keeps adding to our number, and uh, it's one of those good things. And uh, so we're appreciative of all of you and all of you that are here this morning. And so when I say the word disciple, what do you think of? What's the first thought? What's the thing that comes to mind? We've been studying for a couple of weeks now, uh, now, and so we're going to finish up that series this morning. But what do you think of? What's the first word that comes to mind? The 12, yeah? Last week we talked about the original 12. What you say, Ada? Follower. Ah, that's a good one, too. Follower. Chosen. Chosen. Yeah. Yeah, certainly God chose him. Yes, all the way in the back. I see that hand. A believer in Christ. A believer in Christ. Yeah. The discipler certainly needs to be a believer. Who can do that? Who can be a disciple? So, how... Anyone. Yeah, I think we've proven that out. right? So, how do disciples come about? What what produces them? Yes, we talk about chosen, but how... What happens to them? Do they just naturally appear, walk through the door? or ah, We're going to answer some of that question this morning, but go ahead, yes. Sharing your faith, about Jesus. Sharing your faith that can certainly be part of it, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a wide range. Hopefully over the last couple of weeks you've noticed that there's a lot of different ways that can come about. And we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at Timothy and Paul's writing to him. And again, one of the pastoral epistles. And Paul is, when he writes this, is actually to look at one of his last letters. He's getting along in years. And as we do that, we start to look at that next generation, right? Or even the one coming up behind that. And uh, as we get older, we need to pass that on. Not that God's done with us yet, but we need to pass on that, you know, that teaching, that experiences that we've had, that wisdom. We spent quite a little bit of time on yesterday, Man, it seems like it was a long time ago. Yesterday morning, talking about wisdom with the, the men's group, right? And, and where that comes from, and how do you uh, gain wisdom. Well, Paul's doing that with Timothy. He wants to pass that on. Now, Timothy's being set up in a church, a fairly good church. A church in Ephesus was a, a well, relatively healthy church. It had a few problems, as all churches do, but it was a relatively healthy church. But Timothy is a young man. He's a young pastor. And so Paul is investing in him. And, and we know that Timothy's not perfect, right? Neither was Paul, right? But Timothy has been assigned to this church to help them to grow and to make more disciples. And so it's a reminder, as I'm I was reading it and studying it this week, that God uses even young men to teach us. I learned something yesterday that I didn't think I, I knew the famous quote, Lucas, what's that quote again? The marriage flinch. Did you know there was such a thing as a marriage flinch? That's when you guys say something stupid and you got to duck quick because your your wife's about ready to hit you. PJ knows that well. I've got a spot right back here where she usually gives me that. Some call it the (laughs) denozo. I had to wait till she walked back in. I didn't want to miss the opportunity. I have one in my future coming. (laughs) What I joke, but yet I am serious, we quite often sometimes look to the older generation to learn things, but quite often there's a lot of things in the younger generation that we can learn from as well. And so if we're teachable, we can learn. There's a responsibility on both parts. right? I can say I want to disciple someone, but if they're not willing to listen or to hear or to spend the time, then they're not going to learn. And the same thing with with me. If I'm not teachable or I think I've got it already figured out, then I'm not very teachable. I'm not going to learn, learn what God has for me. And so that is part of it. And we see that Paul here is coaching young Timothy along. And so let's take a look at it, because again, things are not always easy, and especially for a young pastor stepping into a a church, even a healthy church, there's training that goes on. And so Paul speaking here, again, we're jumping in the middle of this, Uh, Because we're not doing a full series, we're just doing a a topical here on discipleship. But I picked these passages this morning for the the wisdom. Be strong. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Again, we, we see that even in these first couple verses, we see that a passing it on, right? Paul said, hey, I told you, but now don't just keep it for yourself, but go tell others, right? You know, it's only, it, it, yes, we receive a blessing when we gain some knowledge, right? But if we don't pass it on, it, it stops, it's limited, right? And the hope is that we pass it on to the next person and the next person passes it on to someone else, Again, I'm not talking about gossip here, but I'm talking about the good things, right? The good teachings. And we're going to look at that in a few minutes about what those things are. But Paul's saying, hey, you've heard me, you've watched me, you've been with me, you spent time together, pass these things on, teach others so that they may be qualified to teach. Then he uses a couple of examples here, and it's interesting, he picks in verse 3, he says, join with me, suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He uses that, that picture of going into battle, right? Also, when I was looking at it a little bit more, I, I think of being a or not so much as a, a battleground, which it is, but also more as a, a purpose, right? A sense of, hey, this needs to be focused. I need to do this intentional, right? Sometimes, just because I don't want to do it, I need to do it out of obedience. And we can be honest, we don't always feel like investing in someone else, right? We, we say, you oh, I'm going to close down, just hunker down and keep to myself. But investing in others is part of it. And sometimes just out of obedience, we take that first step. I don't think that's God calling, so I'll let that one go in a voicemail. <laughs> but as being a good soldier, it says in verse 4, he says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civil affairs. Like, it'll but rather tries to please his commanding officer, right? Again, great illustration here for us, and again, it breaks down at some point, but for the purposes of Paul illustrating that, that, you know, I'm following God's command, right? And again, I need to follow that thoroughly. I need to stay focused. The height of your prayer was perfect, spot on. It's about staying focused, not getting distracted, right? I notice that quite often when I'm talking with someone and I'm investing in them in time, we can kind of get sidetracked and we get go on rabbit trails and so that's, that's fine to do a little bit of that, but eventually getting back down to and back around to, what is it we're trying to teach? We were joking yesterday, again I'll just say because I was with the men, I don't know if this ever happens in the women's group, but we got off track a little bit. We were rabbit trailing, right Bryce? Yeah. Yes, and I may have even helped with that, yeah never. If we shot every one of those rabbits, we'd have enough to feed you know, a lot. But again, but we did get back to James, which is what we were studying. And it's the same thing when you're working with someone one on one. Don't lose track of in the, the rabbit trails, right? Be focused, right? God has a purpose for that meeting, and so you want to be sensitive to that, but also have a purpose in mind of getting back to scriptures, getting back to truths, back to the things that you purpose to talk to them about. Don't get sidetracked. It's been easy. Don't get entangled in them It's the ones that he, he used here, right? You get caught up in them. It's been easy to do in our current climate, right, with politics and other things. Those are distractions. Get back to point of order. Verse 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by completing according to the rules. Right? Shifts from the soldier to an athlete, right? An athlete, it takes, it takes self-control, right? It takes purpose. It takes training. It takes doing something over and over again, right? To represent that muscle memory. At least I've been told that anyway, so I'm not sure. My wife is laughing. <laughs> but it's true, right? right? If we're, we're training for something, right? A, a runner just doesn't, you know, someone who jogs occasionally and say, hey, I want to go run a marathon today, right? It doesn't happen, right? It takes training. It takes a lot of self-control over and over again. It's the same thing with discipling. We need to condition ourselves. We need to be studying ourselves before we pass that on. We need to, to do it over and over again and be ready. Shifts us over to another one. He's going to get you with one of these illustrations. He uses three in a row, something I don't tend to do, and, and I sometimes used to complain when pastors would do this, but Paul does it, and it's pretty good here because he lines them up here, and they all work together. Verse 6, he says, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Right? Farmer the same way, right? You don't wake up with the, the vegetable in hand. You have to plant. You have to get the soil ready. You have to wait. You have to wait. Water, right? You have to have good ground. There's a lot that goes on to that. In verse 70 goes back and says, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. A Charlie word would be marinate on it, right? But reflect is a good word as well, right? Think back, Timothy. He's saying here, think back of all those times that we spent and those things that I said, hey, this is important. Let me pass I got a nugget. I like to call them nuggets, right? I got a nugget for you. Let me pass this on to you. Sometimes it can even be as I'm getting older, I sometimes forget, but be like, oh, yeah, I need to tell so-and-so about this verse that I was reading. I think it would be helpful to them. And so I have to be diligent in getting back to them. But it's that being focused, staying in line, remembering those things that we are purposely teaching to one another. And he jumps in here a little bit, again, reminding of Timothy of the the greater things here. We even sung about him a little bit this morning, but it says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Well, there's a lot right there, but again, the importance of the resurrection, right? Paul just that alone, that part of the gospel, was something that he was being challenged on. He was being discredited as a teacher, right? But it's vital, right? It's vital to the gospel at all. There is no gospel without the resurrection. You didn't know you're going to get an Easter message on. A, we should always be reminded of that. But Paul's saying, hey, that's important. That's important teaching, and he says because of that teaching, I am suffering for that. Right? The gospel is offensive to those who don't believe. It's offensive to other religions. Right? And so there's going to be pushback. There's going to be suffering. There are going to be things that happen. But I like how he ends it here. Don't miss this. But, but God's word is not chained. It's an interesting phrase, and it's not, not found anywhere else, but God's Word is not chained, and what it's really saying is it's not bound, right? God's Word goes forth. The importance of Scripture goes forward. The importance of Scripture and teaching, those are the things that we need to be passing on as disciples of Christ. The importance of God's Word and the teaching, right? It, it doesn't chain us, actually, it frees us in many ways. Paul here could have been quite often referring back to some of those back into the temple that are chained and bound by the old practices. But even the freedom in Christ to a non-believer, to those who don't believe it, it produces freedom. It's unbound. We'll talk a little bit more about how important God's word here is in a moment. Therefore, again, John, what's therefore mean? Read before it, right? We had a long discussion about that, right? Read before it, right? So it's a good word. It's a a good transition word. But again, you have to put it in context. It says, therefore, because of the gospel, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with his eternal glory. Again, Paul's not suffering for no reason here. He's gladly doing that because he knows that the gospel is going forth. Someone mentioned it this morning, right? To be you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the important. That's the first. That's the base. And then from that base, and then we go on to build on that that relationship, and we continue to invest in that, and so that they may attain that salvation that is in Christ Jesus. The verse says it beautifully there. Then he gives us some I call them modern day proverbs here, but he says, "Here is a trustworthy saying." Verse 11, it says, if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. I love at the bottom of 13, because that's a reminder, right? Even when we're not faithful, even when we mess up, even when we don't do things exactly right, God is still faithful we can yeah that's a definite amen that you can stand on that it's a good reminder that even when things around us don't seem orderly or chaotic they seem out of control god is still faithful he's the one that we can lean back on he's the one that we can trust he's the one where our truth comes from and i believe that he's telling timothy these things just to remind him to encourage him don't give up young man keep going Keep teaching these truths. Keep reminding these folks that have been entrusted to you, these people that you are to disciple, those that are in front of you. Verse 14, he says, Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Boy, if I'm Timothy at this point and Paul dumps that on me, I'm going, oh man, that's a lot, right? That's a a big responsibility. But Paul knows that he can handle it. Paul knows that with God's help, Timothy can do this. And it's the same thing for us. We know that we can do this. If we trust in God and we do the things that we're supposed to, we know that God is faithful. He will help us in this. I love the warning, though. The warning here of, about not quabbling over words, right? We get, we get stuck on that sometimes. And have you ever been in that situation where you get in an argument and, and you go down that path for a while and all of a sudden you, you forget even what you were arguing about? Right? Again, being distracted. You get, get off point. You're arguing about the curtains, and yet the, you know, the house is on fire, as someone mentioned to me. Right? You, you lose sight of things. The same thing with words. We have to be careful that we don't get hung up on them, that we, 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 it becomes a trigger for us. love it. this kind of coincides with what Paul talked about when we were in Corinthians, right about presenting yourself, right? Being that good ambassador, right? Being that good ambassador for Christ. One note here I had in my my study is, uh, who are we looking for approval from? Who's the one that we're looking for approval from? Yeah. God. Right? Because if we're looking for man's approval, we're most likely going to be disappointed. We're not going to get it. Right? But who's the one that sees all the work? Who's the one that sees what is actually done? And who sees the motivation of the heart? God. And so he's the proker, right? It takes workers. He also uses the phrase here of a worker, right? It takes work. It takes effort. We talked about a couple weeks ago about how it takes time, that great resource of time, spending that relationship, spending time with people and, and, and investing in them the good, the bad, and the ugly, just hanging in there with them sometimes, just listening. Then he wraps this up in verse 16 here. Again, just that reminder, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it become more and more ungodly. Again, it can take us off point. I'd encourage you to read the rest of chapter 2. I'm going to jump this morning for the sake of time and, again, to, to bring this all back around, but it's all... God's word and it's all important but we're going to jump over to chapter 3 verse 10 again as I'm tying these two together but this is a a letter that's all read together and Paul is doing the same thing here and he's going to give his final charge to Timothy in this chapter 3 and so I want to jump to there because it kind of pulls it all together and wraps it up for us in a summary style so verse 10 it says you however again speaking to Timothy know all about my teachings my way of life my purpose Faith, patience, love, and endurance. Persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Icaiom, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Again, Paul's challenging Timothy here to, to step it up a little bit, but to, to watch what's taken place, what's happened in Paul's life as that example. what well, he says here, he says, about my teaching, you know about my teaching, Right? Timothy spent that time, he's traveled with him, he's been with him as he's spoken over and over again. He's heard a lot of sermons, and he says, hey, you know that what I teach is truth. Also on how I live my life. I love that here, he puts them both together, right? Not teaching one thing and living another way, right? He's saying they they match up, they work together. Again, that great example for us as well, what we say and what we do need to match up. Faith line up. My purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, right? It's a pretty good list, right? Those are a pretty high marks that Paul is setting here for himself, but also for Timothy, right? Being faithful, being patient. Whew, that's a tough one sometimes. Loving, right? Endurance, right? Endurance, that over time, not just a fleeting moment, not a check in the box, but a, over time, doing it over and over again throughout the years, throughout the circumstances, throughout each situation. Then he talks about his persecutions and sufferings, right? Ever wonder why Paul mentions that so much? I mean, Timothy would have known that, but why does he mention that often about his sufferings? The reminder? Yeah. PJ, would say that again. Just add a little bit. It should be normal to the Christian life, right? It should be normal to, in the Christian life, right? Paul's saying you should expect this to happen, right? It should be part of it. We also look at sufferings, right? Who else suffered? Yeah. And so it's an identification with Jesus as well. It connects us. It binds us together in those sufferings. And then he lists the places where that happened. Then he goes, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them, right? Yeah, that's all right. Who's the one that rescued me? The Lord rescued him. It's a little note here, but but Paul didn't say, hey, I I got out of it or "I, I, I did it on my own, right? No, God took me out of those things. God's the one that restored me. He allowed me to continue on in his work. Verse 12, he says, in fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That again, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What you said, right? We should expect it. It should be part of the the normal life of a Christian. It says, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived... It's no different than today, right? There are false teachers. There's those that want to distract. There's those that want to pull away from the gospel or distort it, distort God's word, the, the truths that are there. They want to take you away from that. It's, it's no different than we, we have them today just as they did back then. I would say they might be a little more ferocious or a little bit more deceiving today, but I'm sure in that day they would say the same. But they're still there, and so we have to be mindful of that, be careful. Verse 14, but, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have be, been convinced, become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for the salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. There's a lot there to unpack, but... Paul's saying, hey, you know, you need to continue on with it. You need to keep teaching this, right? You know what's important. And because of that, you're no longer, he says, you're no no longer where you are. You've now grown. You are in that position now where you can teach others. I love here the importance of pointing back to the Holy Scriptures, right? It's not not just the, the, the Scriptures, it's the Holy Scriptures, right? It's it's important. Paul's setting that up, that how important that is for us today to, to live by and how important it is for us to know what the Scripture says. It's part of being a disciple. It's, it's, it's right there with that relationship with Jesus. It's knowing God's Word. I say when we're in conversation, we need to be bringing people back to it. What does God's Word say? There's a lot of twists and turns on it in today's language. Even in Christendom, there's things that are distraction. They're not truth. They sound good, they would look good on a bumper sticker, but they're not God's Word. We've talked about some of those sayings that are not true, they're not biblical truths. And so bringing people back to Scripture is always important, it's always helpful in discipling, reminding them of what God's Word says, pointing them back there. And I love how he says there's a benefit to that, right? Right? They'll be able to make you wise. Right? Getting wiser. Wisdom. Gaining wisdom. Right? You'll know when the next battle comes. You'll be able to teach it, but you'll also you'll understand what, what does God's word say about that. You'll recognize it. That's when I can hear the kids back there laughing and joking around. It's, it's a little distracting, but it's good. It's good that they're, they're learning this morning. Verse 16 is one that I had to memorize a long time ago, and I still have it fairly ready available. It's up in the frontal lobe there for the most part. I can pull it out most of the time, but I have it underlined because it's a good reminder because quite often you run into the folks that want to question that. But verse 16 is one of those that hopefully you know it as well. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I said that's those two verses together are, are, are something that needs to be constantly reminded, right? Because people want to tear down God's word; they want to distort it, or they want to pick and choose what they want to read and 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 look at, right? People that have scissors around their Bibles is not a good thing. <laughs> Some of you got that. That was pretty good. Did? Right? Oh, I don't like that one. Let me cut that one out. There's been whole groups that have formed around that. There's groups that are out there today that have formed around that. Well, Jesus didn't say it directly, so it's not there. It's in, or it's not in Scripture. Or it's only in the Old Testament, only not in the New. Again, I've heard them all, I think, at one time or another. But this verse is a good reminder, right? What's it say? All, right? What does all mean? All, right? Every dot, every little tittle, every Word is God's scripture. It all is God breathed, right? Also, it's, and it's also useful for teaching. right? Part of discipleship making is teaching God's word, being able to present it, to, to teach, to, to, to work through it, to wrestle through it. And sometimes we, we, we need help with that, right? We need help in understanding that. We need, we need the help with the Holy Spirit. But God also uses other people, other teachers. And so um, those that are good teachers, it's all right to, to use them and to, to, to learn from them, to study from them. I'm no different than any other pastor. I have commentaries and ones that I trust and I use and I look in, in in preparation for preaching or speaking and teaching. And again, I rely upon those sometimes because they fill in some of those blanks or they help me with words that I don't know or don't understand. Right? Because every word is useful for teaching. Hussle says, not only teaching, but for rebuking. We are, we, the teaching part is easy, right? But the, the rebuking part becomes a little bit tougher, right? Does so anyone like to be rebuked? No, right? No. We don't like to be rebuked, but you know what? Be honest, that's one of the most loving things you can do is rebuke somebody, right? You Think about it. If you, you love them, you're going to rebuke them. You're going you're gonna to help them. You want to correct the wrong attitude, the wrong thought, the wrong behavior, rebuking is part of that, turning them back around. Scripture does that, right? Correcting and training in righteousness, that doing right, it helps us, it's a guide. God's word helps us in those things, helps us discern what's right, what's wrong, and how do we go through certain situations. And then verse 17 here as we wrap this up this morning. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You were created to do good works. Each and every one of us here this morning. You're equipped for every good work. You you have the tools you need to do them. I would say you just have to use them. Right? We have everything we need. So my encouragement is that you would be willing to be discipled and that you would also look for someone else to disciple. right? And obviously pointing back and using God's word to do that. And so as we wrap up this series on discipleship, I, I want to encourage you, I want to you know, exhort you as best I can to look at who are you discipling now. Who are you discipling now? And with that, who is discipling you? Who is investing in you? Who's helping you in your walk? Right? I said we, all, we need that, that, that three-tier, right? We need those, those three people in our lives, right? We need, the, we need the Pauls in our lives, right? We need that, that person who's, who's gone through a lot that's investing in us. And we also need a Barnabas, right? We need that person alongside of us, that person that, that's encouraging us, right? That, that's our cheerleader, that, that kind of walks beside of us. And then we need a Timothy, right? We need that younger person that we're bringing along, whether it's the next generation or two generations or, or even in the same generation, right? But we need that other person that we're, we're bringing along, alongside. So my hope is that you can think of or you have already those at least three people in your life. And if not, pray to God, ask God for that person. Ask him who, who's to be my mentor, or who's to be my, my Paul, or who's to be my Barnabas or who's to be my Timothy? And that's my prayer and my encouragement this morning for you. Bow with me, please. Oh gracious heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, and I thank you, Lord, for those who've invested in me. And I'm thankful for those Godly people that you've put in my life to help, to correct, to teach, to rebuke when needed. I thank you for your word that instructs us on how we are to live and how we are to go about our day. Lord, I also thank you for those that you've put in my life to encourage, to spur me on, to, to push me when I needed to be pushed and to pull me back from when I needed to be pulled back. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you've given me to be able to invest in others, those younger or those newer to the faith. Lord, Lord, I thank you this morning for the word. I thank you for the word that is so vital to our lives, so vital to our walk with you. I thank you for the relationship that we can have through you, through your blood. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these folks that are here. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.